All right, thank you. I think we're working here. All right, again, my name's Mark Connor, and uh, just by way of explanation, we were, uh, we did have to cancel today, obviously, for the, uh, for the rain out here. But even if we didn't have the rain, the other problem that we were facing was uh, the prediction that we ran, and we do this for every balloon launch that we have, uh, the prediction indicated that the balloon would land somewhere in the south side of the Omaha metro area. And that's a little close to the airport. It's a little too much stuff uh, to land on and so forth. And uh, so uh, between the two things, we ended up having to cancel for today. Um, we had very similar situation last year, as Ken mentioned, where we had the uh, uh, rain, threat of snow, and even uh, uh, tornado warning off to the south of here. And so we had the same thing. Uh, for 09, our last launch from the symposium was 08. Uh, the group that, uh, uh, that I'm associated with is called Nebraska Stratospheric Amateur Radio, also called NSTAR. And pictures up on the screen are a couple launches that we had from uh, a few years ago. Uh, the one on the bottom right is from the inaugural Great Plains Super Launch, which is where uh, several different groups get together uh, during the summer. And this one was uh, uh, in 2001, again, was the inaugural one. Um, we'll have our 10th one this year in July in uh, Hutchinson, Kansas. And it's a, a really neat event. We have about uh, 10 or 12 groups scheduled to fly and uh, uh, put about that many balloons in the air at once. So real interesting event that grew from pretty, pretty humble origins uh, in 2001 there. Um, our first flight um, as a group was actually done here at the Severe Weather Symposium back in October of 2000. And uh, it was a really interesting experience. I had done it for a couple of years for some other groups that had helped them chase and so forth, and then finally decided to build my own equipment. And we had our first launch right out here about where the, uh, where the tent is, I think, um, in October of 2000. Uh, we've done 43 flights over the last, uh, last 10 years. Uh, you can see on the table there the, uh, um, the numbers that we've had over the different years. Um, our highest flight's gone to just over 110,000 feet. Uh, that was a flight we had in 2007. Uh, our lowest flight, which was somewhat unintentional, the balloon burst uh, way early, uh, only made it to just over a mile in altitude. Um, we've gone as far as 136 miles from our launch site and as short as uh, just 2.8 miles. And that actually was coincident with our lowest flight, too. So this is a picture that we got. This is the highest digital picture that uh, we've ever recorded with our equipment. This was just before the uh, balloon burst at over 109,000 feet. Um, and so this is a flight up over uh, near Grand Island. And I believe we are looking off towards the southeast. We're kind of pointed into the sun uh, just a little bit here in this shot. And again, you can see the curvature of the Earth, the blackness of space. Um, and a relatively thin band of the, of the atmosphere. At this altitude, uh, we are well over 99% of the atmosphere at this altitude. And here's some typical aerial photos. In this one here, this one's kind of neat. Um, this was launched from near Glenwood, Iowa. This is a steam plume poking up through the clouds from the uh, power plant in Council Bluffs. And this is another photo. This is taken from our main payload, and it's uh, looking a little bit down. And the backup payload, uh, which has some additional tracking equipment, has just swung up into view. 
Um, this is at about 30,000 feet, and uh, we're below some of the contrails here, but above another cloud deck. And then this one up here is, uh, again, from that flight near Grand Island, and you're looking out over the Platte River, and you can see all the circles here from the irrigation uh, for the crops and so forth. Now, this is not, uh, is not one of uh, my videos, but shows kind of what happens uh, when the balloon bursts. This is from uh, a gentleman uh, named Bill Brown, WB8ELK is his uh, amateur radio call sign. And this was from a flight uh, done last summer, and he had a video camera looking upwards at the balloon, and then these are um, digital stills um, captured from that video uh, showing the uh, progression of the balloon burst. So this is just after it's starting to pop, and these are uh, 1/30th of a second apart, and then the balloon is uh, nearly shredded at this point, and then um, uh, continues to, to uh, come apart, right, as it bursts. So uh, all of our equipment comes back uh, by parachute, and we've been fortunate enough on several flights to have uh, either myself or somebody right in the area as it comes down. Uh, it's really neat to see just watching this thing drop down out of the sky and being able to be in place uh, when that happens. It does take uh, uh, quite a bit of planning and a good set of roads and so forth in order to be able to make it. Uh, about half the time we can, we can do something like this and get some pictures. And uh, for our website, um, our main website is nstar.org. Um, for, uh, for the hobby as a whole, is called rhab.org, which is Amateur Radio High Altitude Ballooning. And if you Google NSTAR Balloon or RHAB, those websites will come up as, uh, uh, if not the first link, one of the first links on the, uh, on the Google uh, search results. So I've got a couple videos here that I'm going to show as well. And... Uh, the first one is uh, uh, basically the preparation and launch of a balloon. Uh, it's about uh, two or three minutes here. And let's see. How do we So we're checking the balloon for holes here. We've had instances where they've come with holes from the manufacturer, and so we don't want to waste a full tank of helium. <laughs> so you can see the balloon is pretty fair size. By the time we get filled up, it's uh, about uh, about eight foot tall. Now we're just kind of walking it out into the into the open area so that we can uh, uh, get it away from any of the trees and such. This is a very quiet day, and uh, this is what we much prefer for these balloon launches. Makes life a lot easier. And what we're doing at this point is is weighing everything and checking the the weight of the payloads against how much lift is on the balloon. Um, on this particular one, we had a little bit of a misestimate, uh, and you can see it's going up relatively slowly, 
and uh, this one was aloft for almost four hours. Uh, normally, it's about two. We're shooting for 800 feet a minute. And we didn't get it. <laughs> we only went up at about 300 feet a minute. So this is at the landing site. This is uh, out in uh, central Iowa. And uh, um, this is relatively typical. We just come down in an open field somewhere. Um, out of 43 flights, we've had um, 40 of them land in open areas of some sort, pastures, whatever, uh, empty fields. Um, two of them in trees and one of them in power lines. And the power line landing required to rebuild after that. <laughs> so that's the remnants of the balloon and after getting everything picked up. Then the next one I'll show you is uh, uh, actually from the uh, 2002 uh, Severe Weather Symposium here. And this is from a video camera that was included on board. Uh, this was before digital video cameras were uh, cheap and light enough to be able to do this sort of thing. <laughs> this is a standard uh, uh, compact VHS camcorder. Everybody board. just watch your heads, okay? Okay, you ready? All right, five, four, three, two, one. So it snagged on the on one of the control lines here. So we're trying to free it. And then this happened. <laughs> it did? Oh. <laughs> I didn't know it hit anybody. I was just so surprised I, could, I didn't even see what exactly had happened. So anyway, it, it had cut the payload line, and the balloon was still snagged by the control line. So we were able to reel it back in, hoping it wouldn't come loose at the last second. And we tied it on and, and went for it again. Okay, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. You're in the front row. This may induce motion sickness. <laughs> it tends to sit. It, it settles down after a while, but initially it always spins one way or the other. So we're going up at about a thousand feet per minute here. This is a few minutes later after things settled down. We're about four thousand feet above the ground, uh, still over Lincoln. about a 2,000 foot thick cloud deck that we went up through. You'll see it's just coming out of the tops now.
thirty three thousand feet this is roughly where most commercial aircraft fly same altitude here and again well above the cloud decks below now we're at sixty thousand feet and when it tips up a little bit you can just see the thin band of the atmosphere at this altitude we're about ninety percent above above ninety percent of the atmosphere and the sky is pretty black by the time you get to this altitude so the balloon has just popped and now we're coming back down under parachute even though the parachute is fully open at this point the air is thin the packages are falling by this point at about eighty miles an hour vertical speed but they'll touch down relatively softly at about five or six miles an hour by the time we get to the surface I was going to ask this at the beginning, and I didn't didn't think to do it. Did, did anyone here see um, in the last couple of days the uh, news stories uh, regarding the uh, gentleman from England who sent up the camera and so forth? It was up on the Weather Channel. Right. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I I heard indirectly that it was on NBC Thursday night, and some of the other networks picked it up yesterday. Um, it was. The guy got some very good results, but this is the same thing that we and other groups have been doing. I've been doing it for about 10 years. Um, amateur radio folks have been doing it in various forms uh, for over the last 20 years. So it, it sounds relatively unique, but it's something that's been, that's been going on um, for quite some time. Yes? Um, what we do is we, we use what's called APRS, which is uh, a way to send GPS data over the air. And um, we're using 144.3 or 144.36 megahertz, two meters, yeah. Uh, we also do voice on 70 centimeters, about uh, 446 megahertz. And um, other folks use other, other frequencies up to around 1.2 gigahertz. Um, for things like television, folks have flown live television cameras uh, on stuff like this, um, and uh, other high data rate payloads um, using different radios. Yes. Another question there. Uh, the balloons are latex, not really recyclable. Once they're used, the latex is is, is ruined. Uh, the balloons run uh, between sixty and a hundred dollars. Um, a tank of helium, uh, depending on your sources, are, is close to that as well. Um, if you can get it through a uh, university or something like that that has a deal with Linweld, you can get it for less, but uh, walking up and paying cash, it's about 100 bucks. Did you have to pay the power company to get that off the power line? Yeah, it was about 160 bucks to get the thing back out of the power line. Um, oh, dear. But uh, it was, you know, could have been, and then it was... The, with that one, the um, antenna wire that we had was just long enough to go across uh, a couple phases of a 30-kilovolt line and just poof and fried everything. So, 